Welcome to the Weekly Workplace, where professionals come to find insights and inspiration for success. Hosted by the Missouri Training Institute, this is the Weekly Workplace. Welcome to the Weekly Workplace, where professionals come to find insights and inspiration for success. With you again today, Missouri Training Institute. Dewey, hi. Hello, hello. Ray, good morning. Hello. And uh, and me, Brianna Larimer. And um, today's topic. So we're going to be talking a little bit about this concept of reclaiming hope. And, you know, what I was doing, I happened to be uh, Googling around different kinds of things, given sometimes I chase the social butterfly. And I, <laughs> I popped across Dr. Shane Lopez. He's an author and senior scientist at Gallup, and he studies for a living hope. Wow. And That'd be fun to do, wouldn't it? It would be. Oh, my gosh. That was immediately like, can I can I be you? Um, (laughs) And so don't get me wrong. I love what we do here, too. Uh, But I love this concept because I think that hope is such an important thing, especially given where we have been and what we have been going through as a society over the last few years. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I I agree. Um, How would you how would you define what hope is? I'm going to go off his definition because I think he did a great job. Um, When I think of hope, if somebody had asked me prior to reading this, it probably would have been just a general sense or feeling of Mm -hmm. things will be better in the future. Mm -hmm. And that's optimism. So that is that's part of it. But he defines it as the belief that the future will be better than the present. So that optimism. But it has to be coupled with the belief that you have the power to make it so. So the sense of possibility. Mm -hmm. And so not just the wishful thinking that Mm -hmm. it will be better, um, but the idea that I can do my part to maybe make it better as well. So that. I, I like that, too, because I think that that's kind of explains the difference between what hope is and what a wish might be, because mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. if we're going to really focus on hope, it might require that we do something right? right. It might require that we take action in some way uh, towards a more optimistic future. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, and I've been studying the levels of energy related, you know, with leadership and the, and the behaviors and the absence of hope, right? Uh, that sense of victimization. So mm-hmm. it comes from not feeling like you have the power to to influence things in your own world. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course, at the center of that is your ability to choose your attitude. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. You know, and choose what you're reading, choose what you're listening to, choose how you're responding to things. And so, you know, if somebody has hope. Right. They're operating at a much higher energy level mm-hmm. than somebody who's claiming to be at the mm-hmm. at the power of someone else. You know, I, I like the way you say that the idea of of um, you choosing how to respond. Um, and that brings to me the book Man's Search for Meaning um, uh, I, by Viktor Frankl, you know, who was a, a survivor from the Nazi concentration camps. And that's what he talks about in that book is the. You know, they the Nazis tried to take everything they could away from him, his dignity, his possessions, his family. But he says the one thing that really helped him survive was they never able to take away his freedom to choose how he responds, even in a situation that he faced. Right. Right. And the amount of hope then that he would probably have that sense of optimism, but also he knew he had to choose appropriately to kind of get through that, right? Through that experience. So um, yeah, very powerful. 
And so you choose a book, and all I think about is the Hunger Games movie. <laughs> hey, the Hunger Games hey, book. Yeah. It's true. I, I never read the book, though. Oh, my, God. Uh, my I read daughter. All of them I did too. I broke my ankle. Yeah, um, my, that was my yeah. daughter's favorite movies growing oh, up. I you it. know, yeah. yeah well, she I think loved that those. you all know then that really prominent scene, yeah. and if you if you don't know, you're going to hear it now. Sorry, uh, not sorry, because it's a really yeah. um, powerful moment, mm-hmm. and. And in this, you'll you'll hear kind of the the president, I guess, if you will, of the Hunger Games with his vice president of the Hunger Games. And they're really talking about the strategy for it, which if you're not familiar, it really pits tributes against each other. So people have to, to choose who's going to be the last um, tribute to win in this particular game. And um, the, the president's asking the vice president, well, why do you think we have a winner? You know, if we wanted to just intimidate the districts, why not round all 24 of them up at random, execute them all at once? It'd be a lot faster. And so the vice president's like, what? And uh, the president says, it's hope. And he says, hope is the only thing stronger than fear. A little hope is effective. A lot of hope is dangerous. Spark is fine as long as it's contained. And I thought, oh, my goodness. Mm -hmm. Day in and day out. We are are messaged with so many things that are fear-inducing. Mm-hmm. And I think I, I, my heart breaks for the folks who can't find the hope in that because, you know, it, they just can't pull themselves up because you're so inundated with those messages. Um, but there is more power in hope than in fear. And, you know, Ray, I want to go back to one of the things that you mentioned earlier. You talked about um, that idea of maybe being a little bit more productive. You know, hopeful people are able to to do more, to to be more. And there's actually stats that go to that. And it says just in the workplace, 14 uh, percent of people are, are actually more productive at work when they identify as being hopeful. Mm-hmm. So there are there is research that correlates with that as well. So there's a huge element to this idea of hope. Absolutely. You know, our, our EQI 2.0 assessment that we give, um, it measures many of these things that go into uh, the idea of hope. You know, optimism is one of the things mm-hmm. that they measure. Um, your your self-actualization, mm-hmm. you know, your ability to pursue meaningful goals. Mm-hmm. Um, so all of those things go in and then the EQI measures your sense of well-being. Right. And so there is a well-being indicator on mm-hmm. that. And again, tied back to research has said that people who do have a higher um, EQ related to their well-being are happier individuals. They're striving for more in their lives. They're pursuing um, meaningful activities and uh, direct correlation. Absolutely. Well, and Dr. Lopez says that um, those who identify having hope in their lives, uh, it's usually a leading indicator of success in your relations, your your relationships, your academics, your career, your business, and that he- healthier, happier life. So how, it is. Yes. How you do one thing is how you do mm. everything. Mm-hmm. So, you know, thinking, oh, I'm different at work than I'm at home. Not really. <laughs> yeah. You know, or, or if you feel like you have to be, you're not in the right job. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, I mean, how you do one thing is how you do everything, um, for sure. You know, what I thought was was also interesting is like when we think about um, how it's impacting our workplaces, uh, this concept of hope, 
It's not just the feel good. There is actually statistics that will suggest that you're going to have more social competence. People are more likely to have greater enhanced relationships with one another. But it's also going to be lower levels of absenteeism. Mm -hmm. You're going to see people who actually want to be at work. You're going to see lower levels of loneliness, you know, and if we know anything from the last two years, we know that that separation um, wasn't good on us, you know, and in, in for our, our mental health. Um, but that loneliness element is is transformed a lot of ways when you are hopeful that we'll be together again. I saw that messaging so many times mm-hmm. uh, during the start of the pandemic. So. I guess let me let me ask this because Dewey, you brought this up earlier and I want to hone in on this because some people may be asking, well, how is this any different than that wishful thinking? Mm -hmm. You know, this might seem too lighthearted and airy and it's just a a, a wish, but there are some differences between wishing and hoping. Yeah. Yeah. Well, again, I think wishing um, is you know, maybe a sense of optimism or uh, something. But if I'm going to be hopeful, that kind of implies that I have to act in some way. Mm-hmm. I have to not only have that optimism or see a particular goal, but that I'm going to have to do something in order to kind of achieve it. Yeah. Um, and so I, I look at my own sense of power here and I look at my own sense of direction and and my knowledge and my skills to help me achieve that, that particular type of goal. You know, if we just sit around and we wish for things to happen to us, I think that can be very counterproductive. That Mm -hmm. can, to me, turn you into that poor little victim where you become dependent on other people or other institutions or other things to, uh, you know, fill your life as opposed to you taking responsibility and accountability for yourself. Um, Because when I have to act, (laughs) right, Mm -hmm. I I have to be responsible. I have to, uh, I, I can't, I, I hold myself accountable because otherwise I don't achieve that goal. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but if I just wait around and wish that things would get better, um, then I think you can really become, become that victim. It's very passive. Yeah. It is. And, you know, step up for all the victims. Now I always like to take the other side of everything, but you know, I think there's also that level of, well, it's fine. You know, I should just mm-hmm. be grateful for what I have. And there is, a, you know, in thinking about why am I not acting? I'm wishing that these things would happen. I don't necessarily feel like I'm a victim, but, you know, it, it's fine. If it, if it were meant to be, it would be, you know, and we kind of get into this place of just complacency or complacency. And so I'm not necessarily victimizing myself, but I'm just saying, well, that's what I deserve. You know, I should just be happy. I have this job. You know, and so then we don't pursue hmm. that promotion. We don't pursue another certification or another degree or, you know, whatever that goal is. So there again, you know, I don't necessarily have to be in an in an active state of of wishing, if if you know what I mean by being that, right. that victim. I can also be in a very passive, apathetic, mm-hmm. you know, like, well, if it's meant to be, it will. You know. But that, but that to me is a, a a sense of giving my power away, and so yeah, when both I, of them are, yeah, and, and so when I say the word victim, you know, I, I guess that's what I mean by that is that I'm, um, you know, things happen to me. I don't take responsibility for myself or my roles. I just let other things happen to me, and so if I if if something, blame. yeah, yeah, but if but but I guess what I'm saying is if if something good happens to me, great, wonderful. But if something bad happens to me, then I get to blame. 
right? I get to, I get to blame it on something else because, of course, I didn't have anything to do with it, right? I didn't take responsibility for it. Well, and I, what I think is interesting from what I'm hearing from both of you, and we consider this idea of wishing and obviously saying it's it's really counterproductive, what it also does, and I think this goes to what you're saying, Ray, is it's undermining willpower for other goals in your life. So the idea is, well, if it's meant to be, it'll just be, well, if you want it, then go get it, you know? And if you're right. telling yourself right. that that's the case, then you're undermining your uh, resiliency, I guess, in a way to push forward and and to make it happen if you think that's what should be happening or that's a goal of yours. And I think that's something that that uh, Dr. Lopez really honed in on in this and in my research and several videos out there if you want to watch them. But um, what was interesting is he talked about how hopeful people aren't pursuing everything in life. They're not, you know, saying yeah. everything's a goal that I want to do. Hopeful people recognize that like to be really and truly effective in some things, I got to look at two to three big goals, mm -hmm. things that that I I know I can make a difference in. And mm -hmm. that goes back to our, as you mentioned, Dewey, the maybe the circle of concern over the circle of control and all, all of right, that, right. Uh, to quote some of Stephen Covey's things. Yeah. You know, I think about, as you talk about this, that connection between hopeful people are resilient people. Mm -hmm. um, and to me, resilience means I got to try. I got to try. And if it's not working, I got to try something different. Right. And I got to keep trying um, until I reach that goal. Uh, but that's that action again that we see. That's that um, uh, action towards a, a brighter future of some sort. Mm -hmm. So it's that optimism plus the action. To Absolutely. Me. Yeah. So when we think about this and we think about this concept of hopefulness, we've done a good job identifying it, explaining the differences between hoping and wishing. But how do you do it? You know, and when we're thinking about how do we become more hopeful if maybe we're in this lull and it hasn't been something we've intentionally practiced for a while. Um, you know, I, I had a participant in a, an emotional intelligence training session not too long ago, and she just blatantly told me in this session, looks at me, says, look, Brianna, I got nothing left. All right. I don't even want to deal with my own emotions, let alone if some, somebody else's. And she goes, I'm just burnt out. And I think a lot of us sense that. But how do we reclaim this hope? How do we become more hopeful? My first thought is you have to know where you are. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so is this something you are battling? I mean, are, you know, recognize the fact that she recognized that mm -hmm. a plus plus, right? A plus plus everything after this, you know, is totally manageable. Um, but just coming to the realization, like, yeah, that's what it is um, and being aware of it. So I think that's really important. Yeah, and I, it is because until you've identified um, these feelings, you're self-aware of, of these feelings, then there's nothing you're going to be able to do about them. And so I, you know, one of the things I, I think I was important to me, and I mentioned this on a previous episode, was in the last few months, I really took some time to sit down and to think about things that I was interested in, um, that I enjoyed doing. Yeah. You know, I, I, I like that turning, calling that renewal. Mm -hmm. You know, I think Covey calls it sharpening the saw. But, you know, we also have to realize that we are a physical being. So sometimes when I get down the dumps, I'm not seeing things very hopeful. Sometimes it's about a brisk walk, you know, mm. get my body back in shape and connect it to my mind. And so when I think about my body and what I can do there to renew, but then I also think about my mind and what I can renew there. So maybe it's a new paradigm, a new way of thinking. Maybe it's reading 
reading a book on something. Maybe it's um, uh, putting good things into my mind. Uh, it might also be about my relationships, right? I'm a, I'm a, a relational, as a human, we're relational. And so it, beyond just my body and my mind, maybe it's also about hanging out with positive people, mm -hmm. you know, friends who, who can share some of their hope, you know, or their perspective of that and their sense of optimism. Um, maybe it's also about getting my own personal values or my spirituality, uh, whatever that means to you. And to re-clarify that can sometimes help um, with that idea of of that, you know, so I, I like doing, I don't know about you all, but when I sometimes am, am feeling not so hopeful, I, I do, I have a tendency to do things like uh, go down to the Missouri River and sit by myself on the bank for a while and watch the river and contemplate and think and get myself, you know, back to my core. Um, because then it, it, things become a lot more clear where I can then really start to see what is that pathway forward? What is that action that I can kind of take? Mm -hmm. So I think some of that could be uh, of use for some folks. I definitely, I'm in alignment with the, the values and I want to speak to that in a minute. Um, and a lot of this is about doing something and sometimes it's about un, undoing something, mm -hmm. um, meaning unplug, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. un plug, mm -hmm. get off your device. Really? Mm -hmm. I absolutely mean it because sometimes just, just an hour's exposure can really, you know, as Dewey had talked about, you know, change your thinking. And when you're trying to build up speed, you know, sometimes those things are really hard to do when social media is in your face and just media in general. Um, yeah. And I know Dewey's not sitting by the riverside with his device. So I know that. No, no. Usually <laughs> uh, it's a, usually it's my journal with me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, but I, I too, I believe in um, recognizing your values and take yourself through a values exercise, mm -hmm. because I think if you're wanting to make sustainable change and sustainable movement, it has to be coming from your values. Mm-hmm. I mean, you could do it, but you won't be able to sustain it if it's not in alignment with your values. And so saying all of these things, just keeping in mind, hopeful people doesn't mean bad things don't happen to them. Right. But they choose how they respond. Right. You know, their emotions are spontaneous. It's the behaviors that accompany those emotions that we have the control over. Well, and I, I mean, to speak to answer your question, Dewey, when you had said, um, you know, what what is it for us? You know, I find when I'm in a lull and maybe not as optimistic um, or even as hopeful as I normally would be, uh, I, I sit down with my pastor, you know, mm -hmm. and, and that speaks to what you'd said, kind of reclaiming some of that spirituality. But I think that that it's important to disconnect and to be solely focused on, okay, here's where I'm at and getting advice from mentor or someone, a trusted resource, someone who knows you and can help, help kind of help you see that light that might be at the end, you know, at the end of the tunnel that you're stuck in a lull in. And, um, and I find that helpful, you know, obviously I, um, for, for me, uh, church is one of the most hopeful places to be. So, and I think that there are some people that might not necessarily have those resources, unfortunately. It's true. And, you know, for those folks out there, um, you know, I, I, I do 
would encourage you to find help somewhere, whether it is uh, at a hospital, uh, whether it is at a church, whether it is at a community center um, um, or a non-for-profit um, but there, there's help out there. Mm-hmm. Um, and I do encourage folks who don't feel like they have any resources to, to reach out. Mm-hmm. And this is also a point where I'm going to get on my soapbox and say it's our job as a society and as individuals to seek out opportunities to help people who might not be as hopeful as we are right now, you know, because everyone gets down, everyone gets down in the dump sometimes. And uh, I think that we can do a lot if they don't have resources, they're not going to be asking for them. Um, but I think just taking time to notice people and to spend time checking in and and caring for them where you can. So let me pose another whole, I'm going to, do you care if I take this conversation a different direction? Take it. Uh, <laughs> surprise me. Um you know, what can leaders do to inspire more hope uh, in their teams or in their organizations? Well, I'm going to go back to values because I think, you know, your organization has values. What are you doing that support those values? How is your organization and your leadership style and the work that you have your people doing supporting those values? I think what Brianna just mentioned, you know, as leaders, we need to be plugged into our people, mm-hmm. right? Um, we need to be looking for changes in their behaviors. We need to be asking that question. Um, you know, everything okay? How are you doing today? You know, mm-hmm. anything new, anything stressful on your plate that shouldn't be? You know, what are you tolerating that you shouldn't be? Those types of things. Um, and, you know, luckily, I think we're moving that direction that we're caring more about the person. I hope we're moving more in that direction. I know that's what this podcast is meant to do is to move us forward. And this is just as much for our souls Mm -hmm. as it is for our listeners. Sure. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. It really is. And I think, um, you know, when I consider from a leader's perspective, something that is nice, and this is based off of organizations I've been in previously and kind of where we are today. But one of the things that got very discouraging and I felt a sense of loss of hope in a previous organization was when my leadership couldn't stand like or wouldn't stand up to uh, the larger need or well-being of our particular department because they were concerned about what their leaders would think. And so for me, that was that wasn't hopeful because if there's no there's no concept that there might be a change in the future because we can't even have those conversations, then what do I do? There's nothing yeah. I can do about it. There's so your leader didn't have your back. Correct. Yeah. Correct. Um, and so that, that was, that was a difficult place to be. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So having, having your people's back and, you know, that made me think of a time and uh, my daughter was sharing this, you know, not too long ago about one of her interim managers So it wasn't even an official position for her. And she was just being asked to step in. Mm -hmm. And so you wouldn't think she'd really do much than just kind of organize the schedule, you know, that kind of thing. And I guess leadership had come in and was wanting to institute some new, you know, work procedure and whatever. And this interim manager said, no, literally said, no, my people have had enough. Mm. They're dealing with me right now as they're new. They're going to get somebody else that's new not right now. And I thought, wow, that's, that's powerful. Mm-hmm. You know, I was just like that. 
that person needs the promotion. They're yeah. not doing the work. Now <laughs> they need to pay to go with it. Yeah. And so that advocating. Yes. You know, what a good, and you can do that whether you're in a position of title or not. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, we can advocate for one another. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Don't be so strict in situations where you can be. And I get I get the policy like in safety situations and things like I get that. But sometimes I think we get so um, uh, connected to that policy manual that we stop being human beings. Mm -hmm. And so I think that's when sometimes folks could lose some hope as well is that nothing's ever going to be any different. I'm never going to be treated any different. Things aren't going to change in this organization because the policy is the policy. So, you know, that brings me that that spurred another thought that I think leaders can do is um, show progress mm-hmm. s- towards whatever the goal is. Right. Um, if you've ever been a if you've ever been in an organization where you feel like you're a mouse on a wheel, you never really feel like you're getting anywhere. You never really feel like you're making a difference. So when leaders can recognize movement towards a goal when leaders can um, celebrate yeah hey look at how far we've come to this we might not we might not have gotten all the way there where we wanted to go but look at how far we've come mm-hmm. that is a moment of celebration that should be a moment of recognition um, to instill even more hope uh, with folks in the future yes and I I want to before we we start closing out this podcast but I want to circle back to something that that you had said earlier, we talk about um, this idea that the only thing that that is more damaging than hope is fear, but hope is bigger than fear. And I think of different leaders I've had in the past that have um, led based out of fear. Mm-hmm. Um, so really tried to, you know, whether it was a supervisor coming in and saying, well, they called me the hammer because I don't mind, you know, <laughs> I don't mind laying the things, hammer down. When things I are going to be different yeah. from now on. Give gosh, darn break. it. Give yeah. me a break. Yeah. Um, but, but that fear based leadership versus this hope based leadership. I, I'm encouraging any leader out there um, who probably would disagree with me if they're in that fear based leadership anyway, but this is more this hope based leading is a lot more productive and a lot more healthy. And it's something that your modern workforce is going to be requiring, I think. Oh, absolutely. And it's better for you. It is. Oh my goodness. A hammer. Anyway. All right. Now I'm trying to think of all these names. (laughs) I know. know. Well, other thoughts um, as we consider this concept of of reclaiming hope, whether it's in your personal or professional life. I just encourage people to think that with hope comes action. What can you do within your own power uh, to to achieve your goal? Yeah. And I I want people to recognize how much power they do have Mm. to change their thoughts to change the way they are framing things to change what's going into their mind um, and contributing to those things. All of those things you have the power to change. Don't mm-hmm. give that away. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I think that was a great point to leave on there. Um, and so for all of our folks out there, maybe you have some different things that have worked for you, some different strategies or tactics um, or just different scenarios that were uh, helpful in, in you reclaiming hope that you'd be welcome uh, to share with us. We'd encourage that. Drop them in the comment section or send us an email, mti at missouri.edu. You know, one quick thing we didn't touch on, Ray, and I do want to I want to just throw this in there is because another thing kind of similar to as I go to my pastor, I think sometimes a coach 
can be very helpful in us Definitely. reclaiming oh, our yes. hope. Yes, yes. And so Ray, uh, she's uh, our executive coach. Does our co- executive coaching and professional coaching here at MTI. So reach out again. That address MTI at Missouri.edu if that's something that you might be interested in. And until next time, go be great. Thanks for listening to The Weekly Workplace, hosted by the Missouri Training Institute. Dewey, Ray, and Brianna stand ready to connect with you and meet your training needs. Be sure to check out ways to contact them in the episode description or at mti.missouri.edu. Subscribe to the podcast to get future episodes automatically by tapping subscribe in your podcast player of choice. Hope to catch you on the next episode of The Weekly Workplace. Yes.